Well, hey, good morning, White Oak. How are you? Good, good, good. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Uh, if you're joining us online, thank you for being here today. My name is Zach. I am the worship pastor here at our Coleraine campus here at White Oak. And today I get to speak with you, which is uh, really cool for me. Uh, but it is also not lost on me that this is a four-day holiday weekend. And when I look at what uh, members of our teaching team are on vacation, it just, I see you, you know what I mean? I see what's happening here and that's why I'm here today, right? No, I'm very excited to be here. I've had this sweatshirt for two years and I've been waiting to wear it. So this is the first time and it just seemed like the right kind of day. Um, but yeah, it's a four-day weekend and uh, it's in the summer. And I know you could be anywhere doing anything, right? And many of you maybe are. Some of you watching online, you actually might be out on the campgrounds. This is a big weekend where people are out camping and doing things outside. It's beautiful weather, right? And so for those of you who are camping people, who love being outdoors, being one with nature, hiking and that whole deal. We have a lot of people on our staff team who are those people. I just wanna say to you, I don't get it. I do not get it. The idea of sleeping on the ground on a tent with a tree root up in your back just not, not, doesn't appeal to me, not for me. Or you know, being out somewhere where wildlife could just happen upon you or whatever. Mm, love that journey for you. Um, I'm gonna hard pass on that one. So I've seen Snow White. I know how like she's like waltzing through the forest and the you know, raccoons are singing with her. That's not happening. Raccoons don't sing, they hiss, okay? <laughs> Disney lied to you. There you go. A couple weeks ago, it's weird. Wildlife and I just have this weird relationship. Like the last couple weeks, I don't know if you noticed, but we had a goose nest right out here, right? And so, um, geese also hiss at you as well. So we, I had a kind of a traumatic incident with a goose out there. The geese are fine, I'm fine, we've talked it out, we've been through it all, we're good. But wildlife and I, we just don't really jive. But in my opinion, you know, growing to like camping, right? Because some people will say, Zach, well, maybe you just haven't given it a chance. Maybe you need to just like try it a little more. You know, maybe it's an acquired taste or whatever. And to that, I say, number one, how dare you? And two, you sound like my mother. <laughs> because in my opinion, you know, it's not like me liking camping is kind of like me liking lima beans. You know what I mean? And, and I read something recently that said that our taste buds actually reach kind of a full maturity or a full development in our 30s. Fun fact, right? So mom, I know you're watching. I will not be having the lima beans. I will not be having those ever, thank you. But while our taste buds might hit a maturity and while like the peak of Zach, you know, liking camping may have been reached, our spiritual growth process is constantly growing. We can always be learning and growing. And so as we've been in this summer series called Growing Up, we've been really exploring what the spiritual maturing process looks like. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit produces and cultivates these fruits of the Spirit in our lives? And so I want to go uh, back to that passage in Galatians uh, that we've been reading week after week that reminds us what these things are. So Galatians 5.22 reads, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so these are the things that Paul has said are the things that the Holy Spirit can produce and cultivate in us. And this is a list, let's remember, this is a list in totality. 
the entirety of this list coming to fruition in our lives is more of the aim than say each individual fruit themselves. Okay. Now it's interesting because when I think about this list though, I can't help but think that some of them might be a little bit easier to grow in my life than others. And maybe you feel the same, right? And I think that kindness, the topic that we're talking about today really gets kind of the easy gloss over. Or a lot of times we look at that and like, oh yeah, I'm a nice person. I'm kind, check, things like that. But even when I read this list, I'm like, man, Paul really starts with the heavy hitters and then he goes a little more mild and then he ends with a couple of really, really big ones there, right? But I wanna encourage us to be reminded that this is, let's not assume that any of these are easy. Each of these is its own growing and challenging process that we need to kind of lean into. But for kindness, I don't think we really contemplate or really sit and ponder kindness, right? It can be one of those things where we maybe think about it pretty tritely. Like we put it on posters and on pillows and on pink sweatshirts. We, we put it um, on, uh, we tell our kids, be kind, as if it's like to be polite or stay well-behaved, things like that. We, we do nice gestures for people. We buy coffee. We open the door for people, things like that. And those things, kindness can definitely include those things, but we need to expand our idea here. We need to uh, grow a bigger idea of what kindness is, because otherwise our idea of kindness is then pretty limited and pretty uh, not so fully matured, right? So if we want to grow and mature in kindness, if we want to grow and mature in Christ-likeness, then we have to expand our view. Because when we do, when the Holy Spirit produces rich kindness that pours out of our lives, that's where it is really, truly powerful, really, truly sweet, and really um, allows us to experience the full life that God has for us. So our big idea today is that kindness is love in action. Kindness is love in action. And this means not simply agreeing with Jesus, but doing what he says. This means that we're going to get in there. We're going to get our hands dirty. We're going to step in. We're going to show up. We're going to find active ways that we can express love through our words and actions to those around us. But kindness is not solely a Christian held value. There are many people who aren't following Jesus who exercise kindness. People who don't follow Jesus, they put kindness on their pillows and posters in their living room. And they do nice things like buy coffee for people. And they do things like encouraging their kids to be polite and well-behaved. So what, what is the difference here, right? And further, like, you know, people who aren't following Jesus, many of them give financially to charitable causes that help make the world a better place. And this is really, um, I think as I've wrestled with, I've, I've realized that, man, we are all image bearers of a holy God. Whether or not we're following Jesus, we all bear the image of God. So I would say those things are still kindness and still kindness that comes from God. But I ask you, church, I ask you believers, what makes our kindness different than just the world's kindness? And that's what we're gonna lean into here today. So I wanna turn to Matthew 5. And we're gonna look at a few things that Jesus has to teach us here about kindness and how maybe ours is a little bit different here. And I'm gonna read from the message translation here just because honestly, it hits a little bit different. Um, and it definitely has been convicting for me this week. So I wanna read this and you can follow on the screen here. This is Matthew 5, starting in verse 43. It says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and it's unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. 
I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. And when someone gives you a hard time, respond with supple moves of prayer, for then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best. He gives the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You're kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way that God lives toward you. Just kind of hits a little bit different when I read it in that, in that translation there. And so here we find Jesus giving one of his most famous sermons, and he's giving us a snapshot of what it looks like to, to treat one another. And he frequently is reminding us that we are not citizens of this world. We are citizens of heaven and that the way that we live according to the kingdom is going to look different than the way the world looks. And so particularly here, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, loving the lovable, right? Loving those who, who um, it gets a return, that's easy. Anybody can do that. And realistically, even showing kindness to those who are maybe less fortunate than us or maybe our neighbors or strangers that we don't even know, like there's, that's all good. And we can certainly grow in those areas of kindness. But again, people outside of Jesus can exercise that kind of kindness and we wouldn't really know much difference, right? But I think when it comes to how we treat our enemies, this is really where kindness that comes from the Spirit can separate us a little bit and to really show the love of God. And so what, what about love to our enemies? Too often, I think at best, it looks like we just live civilly with people, like we coexist or we tolerate them. And at worst, we cancel people or we actively or passively draw these lines between us and them. And we've talked about this a lot here at White Oak, who is our neighbor, right? And in this case, I'm going to get a little more specific. Who is them to you, right? And maybe them, your enemy, them is those who look or live a little bit differently than you, those you don't understand or those you don't think understand you, those who have maybe wronged you in a deep way, those who have, you know, maybe uh, are people you villainize or that we, we love to label people as toxic in our culture. And I think that's an easy write-off sometimes or those who maybe just in general creep us out. Like that's who them is, that's who the enemies are, right? And so I used to work at, um, I used to work in the escape room industry, which is really fun to say. Um, but if you're not familiar with escape rooms, it's when people go into a locked room and they try to figure their way out. And one of the things I learned is that when you put strangers together to work on that, they actually are pretty cool with each other. It's families. I've seen like some marriages almost fall apart in an escape room, I'm telling you. But I'm, so maybe them is actually those who are closest to you. Maybe it's your family, right? You know, honestly, some of us can be just flat out jerks. 
And I'm not talking about the person or people you're thinking of. I'm talking about you. We love to get our jabs in. We love to call people out. We love taking what we feel we deserve and giving out what we feel like they deserve. And oh, do we love social media and rushing to that comment section. And we love to make sure people know who is right and what is wrong. But let's be clear here, church, especially for us as believers, no one, no one is going to care or hear what you believe until they know that they're safe with you. No one is gonna care or hear what you believe until they can feel safe with you. And through spirit-produced kindness, that's where your heart, that's where ultimately God's heart is revealed to a world that is hurting, that is watching and waiting and listening. Sharing our opinions is not, sharing our opinions is completely optional, but showing up in love and kindness is absolutely not an option. We have to, that's what we're called to do. Let me ask you this question. Are your enemies bringing out the best in you? When we read that Matthew passage, that's a question that sticks out to me. Are your enemies bringing out the best in you? I wanna flip over here. This is Luke's account of that same teaching that Jesus just gave. And he says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Hate your enemy? Nah, dude, Jesus says, Jesus says, do good. Bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you. These are the action steps that we are to take. And in many of these, it's not just asking, you know, just laying over and letting it happen. These are things that we are saying, God, I'm not gonna retaliate. God, I'm gonna take the initiative to go the extra mile in kindness. This isn't even a kill them with kindness idea. This is just the actions that we are to take to truly love our enemies as citizens of heaven our response is to show up in love and kindness. And again, kindness is love in action. I wanna to go to the book of Ephesians here. This is the letter that Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, and he's writing particularly about unity here. And so uh, let's read this passage together here. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. To show up in kindness, we have to shift in a few ways. The first is, is this, we have to shift from, an, from hard armor to a soft heart. I love the word here in this passage, to be tender-hearted. What does it mean to be tender-hearted? Well, I will tell you, I think tender-hearted people, they show up in kindness in the way that they listen to somebody. They recognize that their view is maybe only one view, or they recognize that their experience is maybe only one experience. And they use phrases like, help me understand, and how can I help? 
The tenderhearted are full of compassion. The root word of the word compassion means to suffer with or to suffer together. In other words, compassionate people, tenderhearted people, they don't just feel bad for people or they don't just see from the other side. They actually say, no, I'm going to suffer with you. I'm going to join you in your suffering. Because when we're in struggle, and I know many of you here can understand this, right? When you're in struggle, there is nothing more powerful than somebody who says, I'm with you, we're in this together, right? That's some of the kindest words somebody can share with you. I used to teach communication classes at the University of Cincinnati. And every communication class, communication 101 is, hey, there's a sender and there's a receiver. And the sender sends a message to the receiver, but sometimes the receiver doesn't receive that message as the sender intended, correct? So who's responsible for that? And realistically, both are, right? But too often we wanna say, oh, well, you just didn't hear me right, you misunderstood. And friends, we've gotta take more ownership of that. If we're gonna be truly kind and truly tenderhearted, we have to own that our message, how it's received is partly on us. Let me ask you this. You may not be using words or full on, hateful words or full on hateful slander, but I'm gonna ask you this. Is what you're saying being received as good and helpful for unity and encouraging unity? Tenderhearted people also tend to, they, they assume the best of people. Ask yourself this question. What if people are doing the best that they can? And that may not always be true, right? But if I assume that, if I believe that people are doing the best they can, it definitely opens my heart up to be more kind. Because especially when it comes to forgiveness, forgiving others as God forgave me, when it comes to forgiving others, this helps me out a ton. Because maybe, maybe that person who hurt me, maybe they were making the best decision they could at the time, given the information they had. Or maybe they're act acting out of how life kind of dealt them certain cards. Or maybe they're just dealing with a battle that I know nothing about, right? All of these are possible. So if we're gonna be more kind, if we're gonna be more tender-hearted and compassionate, I think asking that question will help us out. With softer, more tender hearts, we can more readily join people in their suffering and see them the way God sees them. And that's our second one here. We need to shift from looking at people as a sinister other to a sister and brother. As believers, we don't get to decide who is worthy of love and kindness. We don't get to decide that because everyone matters to God and is worthy of love and kindness. Read that with me. Everyone matters to God and is worthy of love and kindness. We have to let that sink in. And let's go back to what Jesus says in Matthew 5. He, he says, this is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good, the bad, the nice, and the nasty. Everyone receives God's kindness. Our heavenly dad showers his kindness upon us. And I think that kindness is our invitation to reframe how we see, how we see people. We get to see people the way God sees people. I mean, think about it this way. Parents, if someone comes after your kid and mistreats your kid and express hate to your kid, you know mama and papa bear energy is coming out, right? And so imagine how God must feel when we come after his children, after his creation. And some of us need to hear this because you are God's creation. You are God's child. And some of us struggle with kindness to ourselves. And it's so hard to be kind to others 
when we can't even be kind to ourselves. So let me say this for those who need to hear it today, online or in the room. You are God's beloved child. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are never too far from his grace. And you are worthy of love and kindness. We have to be kinder to ourselves so that we can be kind to others. This is the good news, isn't it? That our God has been so good and so kind to us. I wanna read one of my favorite passages here out of Titus here that really speaks to just how kind our God is. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God, our savior revealed his kindness and love, I love that. But when God, our savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth, new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our savior. That's the good news for us, that while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, when we least deserved it, God showed up in kindness. That's when Jesus stepped in and showed love and died for us. Kindness is love in action. I wanna go back to that Luke account of Jesus's teaching here. And he says, live out this God-created identity, the way your father lives toward us. In other words, he says, you're my child, live it out because you are mine. Generously and graciously, even we were, when we're at our worst, our father is kind, so you be kind. Kindness is a response to the kindness that we've received. The problem is that there's a fight going on. And we've talked about this throughout this series. There's a fight going on for our heart, in and for our heart. I can be civil, I can be nice, I can be polite, but some of this radical kindness, the kind of kindness that Jesus showed, I can't do that on my own and neither can you. We need a power that's greater and that's what the Holy Spirit is for. So what would it look like if we truly allowed the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts to make us a little more tenderhearted? And what if we allowed the Holy Spirit to reframe how we see people as children of God, particularly those who are difficult to love? I think we'd find one last shift. We'd shift from random kindness to radical kindness. I think too often we think of kindness as just a, a thing that we happen upon and that we just kind of enact. But I think radical kindness is a little bit bigger, a little more planned out. And so imagine God's glory revealed. Imagine the lives changed when we choose to enact radical kindness. So with that said, I've got three closing action steps for us today that I think we can use to practice this kind of kindness. The first is this, be ridiculously aware and available. This has been so much fun for me to practice this week because when you look for kindness around you, when you look for opportunities to be kind and you take them, God shows up in amazing ways. And suddenly you realize that your enemies aren't there to be like projects for you. They are there to teach you about the heart of God. There have been so many cool things, so many conversations I've had over the last two weeks, so many things I didn't think were possible. I got to chase the dog down a state highway. It was awesome. 
And, and like seven other people joined in and we celebrated afterwards. It was so much fun. And that was the kindness, right? When we take those steps to show kindness, it impacts us and it impacts the world around us. Kindness is incredibly contagious and we're actually kind of wired for it. There are, I don't have time to get into it today, but I, when I read into the study of kindness and how it affects our bodies, how we're designed for it, man, God designed us to respond to kindness. Even for those of us witnessing kindness, our bodies respond to that with life and healing. That's amazing. So be ridiculously aware and available and take those opportunities. Number two, be proactively scheming and plotting. Go beyond random kindness. Sit down and plan it out and say, all right, who is my enemy? Who is them? And how can I intentionally and boldly show them some kindness? And again, don't come at it with a kill them with kindness idea. Genuine kindness. Because you have been shown great kindness, let's show kindness to those around us. And then finally, be wildly irrational and unrelenting in your love and in your kindness. Hold nothing back. Don't overthink it. Don't underthink it. Just go love everybody. You know, very few of us will ever regret showing too much kindness, but many of us will regret the times where we didn't show enough kindness. So don't hold back. Just be ridiculously unrelenting. Because when I think about the love our God has for us, his love is so big and so radical, and it doesn't make sense. But it's a gift that we are offered because our God is truly kind. I want to end with this quote from one of my favorite authors and one of who I would say is a kindness enthusiast. His name's Bob Goff, and he writes this book called Everybody Always. And he says this, we can stop waiting for a plan and just go love everybody. There's no school to learn how to love your neighbor, just the house next door. No one expects us to love them flawlessly, but we can love them fearlessly, furiously, and unreasonably. That's the way that our God loves us, friends. And so let's go and do likewise. May you be kind because our God is kind. I want to pray this blessing over you, um, if you'll allow me. So let's pray. Church, may you live generously and graciously toward others the way that God lives toward you. May you receive God's overwhelming kindness poured out for you. And from that kindness received, may you love your enemies. May you reframe and look upon them as children of God worthy of love and kindness. May you not just be kind, but actually become kindness that you might become love in action. May your kindness be ridiculously available and wildly irrational. May it become as natural as breathing and may it be a sweet blessing to those around you. God, you are so good. You are so kind to us. Even when we least deserved it, even when we were enemies, you were kind and you stepped into our mess and you showed us grace. God, may that sit with us and may it change our hearts this week that we might love a little bolder and show a little more kindness to those around us. Thank you, God, for the power of your Holy Spirit. And thank you for Jesus who saves us and offers us hope. It's in his name I pray. Amen.